Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truths of a God who guides, then provides. You look at a person and what God puts them through and you go, man, I don't know if I could do that. You could do it if God called you to that. You could do it. If God called you, then he equips you. 2 Corinthians 2.16, Paul says, who is sufficient for these things? Not ourselves. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. As we're just beginning a verse-by-verse Simple Truths study today in the New Testament book of Philemon, we're going to hear a remarkable transition from bondage to brotherhood that was brought about by Christian love and forgiveness. And today, Pastor Xavier provides an introduction of sorts to the letter of Paul with a message titled, Paul's Warm Greeting. Let's listen. Paul understood the difficulty of this letter and what he was about to ask of his friend Philemon, a co-worker, regarding the reconciliation of this runaway slave Onesimus, for he was a man like any other. Sometimes we, we, we look at Paul or that we think that they were so much closer to God than us and so much different than our humanity. They were the same as you and I. So when we read the Bible, we have to read it without colored glasses. And so we stay in the Word of God and we, we, we read it according to what it says, then we have a proper perspective. It's very important. Paul knew the evil potential of man. He was a man. He knew the satanic opposition against the believer to harden his heart also. Because as Christians, we don't always want to do the will of God. He knew what it was to be deceived, betrayed, and stolen from also, I'm sure, like Philemon. But he also knew the potential in Christ. If we will but deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus. That's the potential Paul is putting his money on. We'd have confidence in what Christ can do in us and through us. We do not have confidence in each other. We have confidence in what Christ can do in you if you yield. You understand? Let me read here the first three verses. The warm greeting. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Alphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in this house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul opens his letter to Philemon with a loving greeting, which is characterized by three common elements. First, you have the author of the epistle in verse 1. Then you have the audience of the epistle, the end of verse 1 and verse 2. And then you have the addressed greeting in the epistle in verse 3. The author of the epistle, Paul indicates this person. Paul, real simple. The name Paul, as you know, was given to him, or at least he described himself by that after his conversion. The name Paul means small or little. 
The form is a diminutive of the verb pao, meaning to pause or to stop, or to restrain, or to come to an end. And certainly Paul did come to an end of himself. And he became very little in the sight of God when he was arrested there on the road to Damascus. It's a vivid picture of, of, of exactly what took place here in Acts 9 with Paul. Um, a mighty um, warrior, conqueror for the Jewish faith, an enemy of Christianity. And he was stopped dead in his tracks because he chose to turn. Jesus did not force him. He gave way to the conviction of his sin and that he, in fact, was fighting against Christ by persecuting the Christians. Paul, in writing this letter to Philemon, was um, presenting himself as his friend. Yet to the Colossians, he presented himself as a servant because he's approaching them from the perspective of the heresy that's going on. Here, it's, it's a personal letter to this man, so there's a contrast there. John the Baptist said, I must decrease, but he must increase, uh, John 3.30. This is always what you and I have to remember all the time. As we, as we walk through life, there's always a danger in that we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, or that we allow the promotion that God has given to us in terms of the achievements and, and the progress to somehow turn it around as if it's of us and because of us. No, it's always in spite of us, and, and we have to keep that in mind all the time. Um, prior to his conversion, Paul was known as Saul. The Hebrew name means ask, request, inquire. Saul of Tarsus is the Pharisee, the number one enemy of the Christian church. He made havoc of the church, Acts 8.3 says. He um, stood there and watched the stoning of Stephen. They put the clothes of Stephen at his feet and consented to the stoning of Stephen. He saw that young man ask for forgiveness of those who stoned him. He saw him stand up. And Jesus stood at the right hand to receive the first martyr of the church that we see in Scripture there. He came with letters to apprehend those of the way Acts 9.2 said, but um, Jesus had other plans for him. At least he had um, uh, an offer that he wanted to present to him. <laughs> and um, he was used to causing Christians to blaspheme, to betray their faith, to imprison them, to kill them. And yet God was going to turn this man's life around. In fact, Paul at one point in his epistle, Timothy says, you know, I am a good example of what the type of person God can save. <laughs> because Paul considered himself the chief of sinners. Now, notice Paul identifies his position of service also, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He calls himself a prisoner emphatically here. The genitive implies for the sake of Christ. He, he never saw himself as a prisoner of Rome, as you know. Not once did he ever write that, but always a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Uh, the word prisoner means one who is captive in bonds or in chains, confined. He had no personal liberty. 
Um, that's another phrase that we see later on, chains in verse 3, 13, 14, and 16. Uh, desma appears four times here. Uh, sometimes he addresses himself, Paul, the bondservant of Jesus Christ, that servant by choice, in bonds. And these, again, were for the cause of Christ in his church, not for his own doing. To the Colossians, he identified himself, as we said, the servant, doulos, by choice. Um, God doesn't require forceful service. God delights in joyful surrender. And that's what Christians do. They come to the end of themselves and realize that the best thing for them is to serve the Lord. And they do it lovingly and willfully. The Lord Jesus as we said, had come to Paul and he chose him on the Damascus Road. Uh, and yet he was on his way to persecute Christians. Without doubt, Philemon was familiar with his conversion and experienced much of that retelling of his conversion in the three-year ministry at Ephesus as Paul probably shared about his three-year experience in Arabia with the Lord. And the persecution, and much more that we have in Scripture. As you remember, he was chased out. King Aretas wanted to take his head off, and they let him out over the wall of the basket, and he scurried to Jerusalem. Philemon had come to Christ through Paul, we're told in the epistle here. He said, well, I won't say that you, you also owe me. He's talking about his conversion. Possibly it was through the Ephesian ministry. That three-year ministry which Paul had and, and was probably the direct result of many of these works in Colossae and Laodicea and Hierapolis and, and, and many other churches there in the Lycus Valley. Now, in Acts 18, 9 through 10, the Lord appeared to Paul at Corinth, as you remember, and told him that he was not to be afraid or literally stop being afraid, for I have many people in this city and no one will be able to harm you. The Lord not only appeared to him on the Damascus Road, but he appeared there at Corinth. Paul was fearful. He was ready read the beginning of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. He said, I came to him in fear and trembling. I didn't come in my own confidence, but in the power of the gospel. The Lord Jesus appeared to Paul again when Paul was in prison at Caesarea after his arrest and transfer from Jerusalem to assure him that he would see Rome and testify of Jesus. And he declares this in Acts 23, 11. He calls himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3, 1, Ephesians 4, 1, Colossians 4, 10, 2 Timothy 1, 8, Philemon 1, verse 9, verse 23. Prisoner. Remember what he told the Philippians? that he was in prison, Philippians 1.12, for the furtherance of the gospel. They were afraid it was over. Oh, Paul, he said, what do you mean to break my heart? You know, some that are fearful and they were discouraged and not very bold, now they're having courage and they're preaching Christ. And there's others who, who think if they preach Christ, I'll add to my hurt. But what do I care as long as Christ is preached? <laughs> And by the way, the Praetorium Guard says, hi, some of them have been saved. I'm here by appointment. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. 
You remember the Lord Jesus told Ananias that Paul was, was a chosen vessel to bear his word before the Gentiles, kings in the children of Israel, and that he would show him how many things he had to suffer for his name's sake, Acts 9, 15, and 16. The Lord laid everything before Paul. And you know what Paul did? When do I start, Lord? He laid the cards out before him. The God-man, that's who Paul was serving. The title Christ, Christos, means anointed, indicative of his deity, the Messiah. Jesus means Yahweh's salvation, indicative of his human existence. He was a real man. Both are necessary for God to save man. God-man, 100% man, 100% God. Listen to Hebrews 2, uh, 17. Therefore, in all things, he had uh, to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He's the last Adam. He came to show us that the first Adam didn't have to fail, but he chose to fail, and that the last Adam would not fail. <laughs> he would redeem mankind. 2 Corinthians 2.16, Paul says that to some he was an aroma of death, to others an aroma of life, and asked, who is sufficient for these things? Only God, not ourselves. You look at a person and what God puts them through and you go, man, I don't know if I could do that. You could do it if God called you to that. You could do it. If God called you, then he equips you. The sufficiency was of God, 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, not of himself. He had nothing to boast about. He had received everything from God, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. If you received it, why are you boasting, he says. As you know, Paul wrote four prison epistles, which um, are under the um, theme of Christological. Dealing with the work and the person of Jesus Christ, they're, they're called the prison epistles. In Ephesians, he depicts the body of Christ, Jew and Gentile, one in Christ, seated in the heavenlies, in Christ, the head of the church. In Philippians, he gives us the consecration of the believer to the service of Christ, which is the joy of life in Christ. In Colossians, he presents Christ as the preeminent one and the Godhead bodily in whom we are complete. And Philemon here, he portrays the one lost sheep who is brought back by love and grace. Notice Paul includes Timothy with him here. And Timothy, our brother. Timothy is mentioned 25 times in, his, in Paul's epistles. These two were, were together all the time. Paul was his mentor. Paul took him under his wing. The definite article appears in the Greek here, the brother Timothy, the brother. Giving emphasis to Timothy, without doubt, it struck emotions and deep affection in Philemon and his heart because he was familiar with Timothy and probably from the ministry again of Ephesus. And Timothy was a troubleshooter in much of Paul's work in the churches. His name means he who honors God. Great name. And certainly Timothy did. 
Now, take note of Paul's humility. He identifies Timothy as the brother. The plural pronoun, our, is not in the Greek, but it's inserted just to give us a little clarification. The old King James has it in italics, and uh, the new King James also. So whenever you see a word in italics, it tells you it's not in the original Greek. It's inserted to kind of give you a clearer sense but it clearly shows you that it's not in the Greek. So I, I like that because the translators are honest and they let you know what is in the real text and what they feel they've inserted to make it a little clear. Okay? Notice both of them belong to the same family, the family of God, Paul and Timothy. And yet, a great age difference. Paul, the, the preeminent apostle, Philemon was most likely, as I said, familiar with Timothy through Paul's ministry of, of uh, Ephesus and probably many other outreaches from there. You see, Paul never went out alone. If you see him, he always has people with him. He always surrounded himself, making himself accountable. Now, as you know, Timothy was converted during his first missionary journey of Barnabas and Paul at Lystra. There, Timothy joined Paul in Acts 14, 8 through 20, and then later on in 16, 1 through 5, we get a little bit more, where um, he took um, Timothy and circumcised him because he was a Jew through his mother. And that's how you become Jewish, through your mother, not your father. His father was a Greek. And for whatever reason, she was unequally yoked, and she never followed through with the ritual. And Paul did it, not for legalism, not that Christians should do that, as coming out of the Gentiles, but the fact that Timothy was a Jew and he always went to the synagogue first and he didn't want to stumble the Jew or put any opposition to the gospel. So it was a decision of wisdom. Later on, they wanted Titus to be circumcised and Paul says, no way. He's a Gentile. So prudence, wisdom. Timothy had godly heritage. Jewish grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice, then he became a convert of Paul. 1 Corinthians 4.17 gives us a little bit. Uh, 1 Timothy 1.2, 2 Timothy 1.2 and 5, uh, we get his heritage with his mom and his grandma. Young, timid, often ill, needed much encouragement. <laughs> but Paul loved him. And he was dependable. He could trust him. He was with Paul, much of the Ephesian ministry, Acts 19.22 tells us that, 2 Corinthians 1.1. And yet Paul said that Timothy was the spiritual son, a servant, approved and like-minded as he. And when it came to the care of the church, listen, he had no one like him. Philippians 2.19 and 22. And 1 Thessalonians 3.2. He was an incredible, incredible servant. He sent him to Corinth to put them in remembrance of Paul's ways in Christ, 1 Corinthians 4, 17. And he left him as a pastor at Ephesus in 1 Timothy 1, 13, when he left the church of Ephesus. Incredible young man. When John Bunyan refused to give up preaching, they put him in prison. They said to him this, quote, Mr. Bunyan, you can come out of the prison whenever you will promise to cease preaching the gospel. 
He said, quote, if you let me out of prison today, I will preach again tomorrow by the grace of God. Well, they said, then you must go back to prison. And he answers, I will go back and stay there if need be till the moss grows on my eyelids, but I will never deny my master. You know who John Bunyan is. Pilgrim's Progress. The second book most read after the Bible by Christians. What is the response of people when um, they hear your voice at the other end of the telephone or a letter bearing your name? Is it a response of, what does he want? Or is it a delight, a joy to hear from you? It all will have to do with how people see you. One who's always giving or one who's always taking. One who's ready to help and bless or one who's always seeking help and to be blessed. Makes all the difference in the world. We're to edify one another, Romans 14, 19 says. We're to receive one another, Romans 15, 7 says. We're to admonish one another, Romans 15, 14 says. We're to serve one another, Galatians 5, 13 says. We are to bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6, 2 says. We are to love one another, 1 John 4, 11. Look up all the one another's of the New Testament. You'll blow your mind. <laughs> one another's. When we were in the world, we thought we were free to do what we wanted, but we were slaves of Satan, and we didn't even know it. Paul puts it this way in Romans 1.25. He says that we were exchanging the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, which is blessed forevermore. Amen. We were worshiping the creature. The girls we were running after, the guys we were running after, the cars, the, the money, the good times, the, the flashy things, and the, you know, the, the popularity, whatever it is, you, you fill in the blank. That's worshiping the creature rather than the creator. We can be deceived by other people, Ephesians 5, 6 says. We can be deceived by sin, Romans 7, 11 says. We can be deceived by the world, 1 John 2.15 says. We can be deceived by Satan, 1 Timothy 5.15 says. And we can deceive ourselves, 1 Corinthians 3.18 says. And that's the worst form of deception, when I deceive myself. When we're born again, we're all in the same family, the family of God. We have different callings, we have different gifts, we have different backgrounds, but we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen to John, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12 through 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's great when I see the audience and there's there's all kinds of different cultures and people in the church it's great 
we're all in the same family. The author of the epistle was in prison. <laughs> He was in prison. Pastor Xavier Reese, using the opening of the book of Philemon as encouragement for building up the body of Christ. Now, there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you'll want to ask for is simply Paul's Warm Greeting. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Paul's Warm Greeting, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 